listening to the Marketing Happy Hour podcast, where we discuss career and industry insights with our peers in marketing. We're here to talk about it all, like the ups and downs of working in social media, how to build authentic relationships in the influencer and PR space, managing a nine to five and a side hustle at the same time, how to be productive in your life and career without losing your sanity, and more. Ultimately, we're here to build a community with you because we're all trying to navigate the world of marketing together. Are you ready? Grab your favorite drink and join your hosts, Cassie and Erica, for this week's episode. This week, Amy Gaston joins us. Amy is a dynamic, vision-driven leader passionate about creating best-in-class brand experiences. After a four-year stint with Magnolia, that's right, the Magnolia, like Chip and Joanna Gaines' Magnolia, Amy is taking a personal sabbatical to refresh and plan for her next career move. In this episode, we talk Amy's top tips for planning excellent experiential events for brands of any size, including how to do so with a very small team. We also discuss Amy's lessons learned in leadership and why she thinks relationship building and empathy are keys to being the best leader possible. I learned a ton from this conversation with Amy, and I know you will too. So grab a drink, grab a pen, and listen in. Hey, Amy, how are you? I'm well. How are you today? Also doing really well. Before we get started, I do have an important question for you that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what is in your glass this afternoon? I think it's morning where you said you are in Waco. So what's in your glass or what's typically in your glass around happy hour time? Yeah, it is for sure um, morning time. So I've just got water right now, but typically, and all my my people will know this, I love a good vodka soda just Yes. Two lemons. Classic. Simple, easy, just classic. Yes. I love that. I love that. Well, you might actually like this. It's a uh, Yuzu seltzer by the oh. brand something and nothing. Um, that would probably make a really good mixer for a vodka. Like, okay. So, vodka I will write that down. Yeah, that absolutely. Delicious. Yeah. It actually is really good. I need to take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm dying to hear all about your career thus far. So let's just jump right in. Um, what is your experience so far? Could you just walk us through your background and into where you find yourself today? Yeah, that's such a, I love this question because I love watching people's reaction because it's so eclectic. I like yes. to say from my background. Most recently, I was the director of experiential marketing at Magnolia in Waco. So cool. Doing the gains. Yeah, very fun. Um, I had the opportunity to oversee a lot of the foot traffic initiatives to our entities here in town. Um, all of the events that happen, both big and small, um, and the experiences that we put on. And then our vacation rentals team, they actually have four vacation rental properties. And so um, I, uh, at, before that I was in athletics. And so I was a college volleyball player and, and really enjoyed that. I spent a little time overseas trying to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do next. And when I came home, I opted to coach. And so I was a volleyball coach for several years and taught high school, uh, social studies and outdoor adventure, you know, doing that thing. And, um, and just had a kind of a shift in that space of really what my priorities might be. And so I had the opportunity, um, to come to Baylor University for a master's degree in sport management. And I have a super supportive husband who let me quit my very high paying coaching job and go to school. Awesome. We love yeah, that. We, yeah. We love a man who can uh, support a, a, 
adventurous <laughs> woman. And, um, and so, yeah, I spent two years at Baylor, um, being a full-time student, I had the opportunity to intern in the athletic department where I got to see a lot of kind of their external teams. So, um, a lot of athletic marketing game day promotions, um, had the chance to go to China with the dance team, which was really wow. fun just as a sponsor. And so really got to do that and thought, okay, I want to be an athletic director. I think, you know, being a college athlete and having that experience was so, um, fundamental to who I became and paid for school and lots of things that were really important. And I thought, yeah. man, if I could protect that for the, for the athlete like me, as that college world changes, I want to be a part of that. And so I ended up going to the university of North Texas in Denton, uh, go mean green and working <laughs> in their marketing department for the athletic department. And I uh, really loved it and was there and oversaw game day promotions and experiences, student tailgating, just a different way to kind of engage in a campus that really wasn't athletically minded. Their student population is a majority minority campus. So you get a lot of international students who, you know, American football is not their shtick, you know? So we had to find ways to engage them and try to bring them into that fold and had a lot of success. And then after about a, not very long, not even quite a year, um, had the opportunity to come to Magnolia. A gentleman that I had um, previously uh, worked for at Baylor became the president of Magnolia. And he called and said, I have a job for you. And I was like, that is so weird. What would I do? <laughs> and at a place like that, you sell candles. You know, I just had like this much knowledge of like sure. what. Uh, that company did at the time had seen like maybe a couple of episodes of Fixer Upper, but was not by any means a, like a brand fan. And um, he called me and I actually began as um, an executive assistant uh, to Joanna Gaines. And so really had an opportunity to learn about the brand kind of firsthand and really see that. And then after about three or four months in that role, the position I ended in uh, was created. And so I had an opportunity to really grow that and really develop you know, a job description is just a job description until you get into it. You know, nobody really yeah. knew what that role needed. And so got to be a part of really changing and, and building out what that could look like. And then, you know, as I was at Magnolia, um, the pandemic hit and uh, I have a fun story we'll talk about later about what that looked like on March 13th and, oh my goodness. You know, and, and where that was, but uh, you know, having to rebuild a team after furloughing and people leaving, it was quite an experience. And I, I was so fortunate to be able to learn alongside really some of the most creative people I've ever met and some of the most talented individuals. And I, I will forever hold dear um, the four years I spent there. So yeah. And so now I'm, I'm on a, what I'm calling a personal sabbatical. I've just been working out. I've taken up tennis. I've done some amazing things. And so, yeah, it's trying to figure out what's next for me, but it's been, uh, it's been quite, quite a journey. What are your thoughts on pickleball is that big in uh yeah Waco? it's very it's very big they actually I, I play at a at the Waco Regional Tennis Center and uh, they actually converted several of their courts to pickleball courts because they have such a big surge of it and honestly my knees are wishing I had played pickleball instead of tennis but <laughs> <laughs> I bet oh my gosh yeah I'm trying to get into pickleball like my parents live in a 55 plus neighborhood and I'll go and visit them and we'll play pickleball and it's like the funniest thing they get so competitive it's hilarious. yeah they don't so mess funny. around. They, they love it. They're very serious. And it's, it's getting also like really popular among like millennial and yes. Gen Z and everything, which is like wild to think about. People are actually, you know, getting out of their houses and getting off their phones. Imagine that. <laughs> Who knew it could be so, so great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, enough about pickleball. Your story is awesome. And it, it really speaks to like the power of connection. Like 
your random connection became the president of Magnolia and kind of brought you alongside and you got the chance to kind of grow there and see the company grow and grow into your specific role. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that. Um, in our guest intake forum, you did note that your team took great care at Magnolia to ensure that every guest felt that the experiences you created were, you know, just for them. Could you share a few practices that your team put in place to ensure that incredible guest experience? Yeah, um, it's so interesting, right? Magnolia is such this brand that like deeply resonates with people and and we get people all the time that come and, and you know, it's their they're really ill or their wife is really ill. And this was the trip she wanted to take before she got too sick to travel again. We got a lot of those kinds of stories. And so I think very quickly, when you work at a place like Magnolia, you realize like, oh, this brand means something to people much deeper than just like a lifestyle brand that they're shopping home decor from. Like it's very much that. And so as a, as the leader who was um, tasked with creating these big moments, you know, our big flagship events, even our small, you know, farmer's markets that we had on Wednesdays, it was, it was so very apparent that every single encounter that a guest had with us was going to matter. And so we really drilled that into the team that said, because that experience matters so greatly, every single detail matters. No detail is too small. It matters the weight of the paper. It matters the kind of print that we're using. It matters the type of flower that we're setting on the table. It matters how long they wait in line. It matters the size of the signage. And I had just never really understood that impact until I came to a brand like Magnolia where things like that, it seems silly, right? I talk to other brands now or other small businesses and they're like, Amy, it doesn't actually matter that I serve with a paper napkin. And I want to be like, yeah, it actually does. Yeah. Because subconsciously, right? When you, you, when you experience something that's just a little off, whether you know it or not, you, your brain is creating an opinion about that brand and that experience. And so we took really great care to think about you know, it, it matters what color shade of yellow that is. It actually matters. And, and a lot of that comes from Joe and her leadership and the way she's kind of built the brand. And, and I think it's just made me acutely aware that if we're going to ask people to spend the kind of money they do to come to Waco, Texas, it's not an easy place to get to all the time. Yeah. I'm going to ask them to spend, you know, to have a, to buy a ticket to a concert of ours or to come and shop our small vendors, then we, we recognize that that's an investment. And if they're going to make that investment in us, we want to turn around and make that investment in their experience. That is so awesome. And I think that's so apparent in the brand. I, like you said, like you mentioned, every little detail, you can just feel it. Like you even said that the weight of the paper, I remember going to Magnolia back when I, I was talking to you about this before, back when there wasn't even half of the stuff that there is now there, which I need to go back. But, um, and I just remember it being this experience that I never got anywhere else because no corners were cut. Nothing was, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It just, everything was such a well-rounded experience that it just felt different and set apart than any other experience I'd had at a place like that. So, and you know, other brands do that too, where whether it's like a theme park where everything is themed the the same way or whatever. I just think that's so important. And I'm a huge brand girly. I literally am sitting next to my collection of 
pens from all these amazing restaurants and hotels that I visited. And I have like a collection of coasters and matchbooks. Like I'm yeah. weird like that, but oh, I, I love it. Really, you know, it leaves an impact on you um, when you interact with a brand in that way. So I love hearing that. Yeah. Um, what have been some of your favorite events and experience that you've been able to manage? I know there's like celebration and spring at the silos. Yeah. Johnny Swim is like part of whatever is going on there, which I love them. I've been a fan since day one. So let us in on what have your favorite ones been? Yeah, gosh, there, there are really so much, so much, so many and Abner and Amanda are great people. They really are. If you've never met them, met them, they're, they're a hoot and a half and um, just personalities, but uh, yeah, I have so many, but I think um, for me, spring at the silos 2022 was probably this culmination. I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, COVID hit every brand the way it was, but we were standing, no joke, March 13th, 2020, standing on a street corner. We had just moved in 70 vendors into tents. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And my phone at that time. And I got an ESPN notification that the referees had pulled teams off the big 12 basketball championship. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, here we go. And, um, you know, we'd been watching it, you know, as event professionals across the world, we'd really been keeping an eye on this moment. And, um, almost instantaneously, I got that notification. Then I got a text from our president that said, we need to chat. And I was like, mm-hmm, yep, we do. And so we, yeah. you know, we got together and, you know, met with our lawyers and our insurance people and our safety, you know, director and just all the things. And, you know, you're getting such conflicting information in that moment. And, and it was such this, this tra- traumatic feels aggressive, but it was looking back, you're like, oh, wow, there are things we had to like heal from in that moment. But we had to make the very difficult decision to send those vendors home. I had, I had artists from Nashville coming. I literally met the production company in the gravel lot, waving my arm saying, you cannot unload, do not unload, unload." calling artists not to get on their tour buses. We were starting the next day and having to look at 200 plus individuals with these 70 vendors and tell them, I'm so sorry, but you can't open tomorrow. Um, was hard. And then the next morning, you know, my team, you know, it's a half a million dollar event and you're, you know, watching it come down 24 yeah. hours after you put it up. And, um, and knowing that the world was going to be different after that, and we didn't know what that meant or, you know, what, what that was. And so fast forward now, um, sorry, I want to give that a little backstory, but fast forward now to 2022 spring at the silos. And, um, really it was, we had had a celebration in 2021, but it was smaller, smaller scale, no concerts. And so mm-hmm. 2022 was really felt like this, like reawakening of events at Magnolia. Um, I had a brand new team which was crazy. Not a single one was the same. And so a brand new team having to bring them in. And, and that event itself is, if you've never attended, you know, you've got vendors on the streets, you've got food vendors, you've got fun things happening on the grounds. You've got specialty menu items, just all this stuff. It's really this fun moment where Texas becomes, comes to bloom. There's tulips everywhere and it's so beautiful. And, um, and I looked around and, and, not only were we doing spring at the silos, which in and of itself is a lot. We also hosted all hundred plus um, network talent. So it was really right after the network had launched. It's the first time all the talent had been together in Waco ever. Oh, wow. So wow. we brought every single talent member and executives and all the things to this place where not only did we host them, we did a private dinner and tours and just really welcomed them into the Magnolia family. But we also hosted network panels 
throughout the day on property for guests. You know, we had questions pre-selected so people got to hear and really learn because, you know, up until that point, Chip and Joe were like the face of Magnolia and still are for sure. Yeah. But now you have this whole network, this 24 hours a day network with people that people are like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Yeah. So it's this moment for us to integrate that part of the Magnolia family into a very tangible experience and moment. And then not only that, but Drew Barrymore came to see us. Oh my goodness. Saturday morning with us and filmed to tape. Um, I think they call it like live to tape uh, her show um, from our property. And so we've got that bustling and exciting. And oh, and by the way, right before that, we also had street closures that had been on for two years and they're like laying asphalt the morning before our tents are going up. And I'm like, please hurry. Oh my Don't wait on the line. Just lay the asphalt. Just lay the asphalt. I was the crazy person out there with coffee for construction people. That's great. Um, so it was this culmination of all these things, but being able to literally, I'll never forget this woman and her daughter just standing there and you had thought they had just seen the most, I mean, they were just glowing. They were so excited. It had been a bucket list item and that moment was created for them. And they'll never forget that single mm -hmm. moment of just, I just watched them glow with this joy, which sounds so cheesy. And if you've never been to Magnolia, you're like, what the crap is she talking about? But like <laughs> truly this moment for them. And, and it was so fun and Chip and Joe were on the property and these vendors were selling out. And it, it was such a beautiful moment for me to know that exactly two years before we were in this really, really sad, devastating place. And to know that there was this almost like revival out of that was like yeah. really cool. And so it's cheesy, I could go on and on, but I was so incredibly proud of the team. There were a lot that Drew Barrymore thing came to life like two weeks before the event. Oh my god! So you know you just have to like roll with it. it. Let's go and and it was hard and challenging and thrilling and for a team that had never done that before and had never you know done something to that scale at Magnolia, it was um it was really beautiful and I was so very proud and it was a cool moment as a leader to be able to look and be like, yeah, we we hired the right people, we equipped them well, and then we let them do their job really, really beautifully. And it just came into this like really fun moment. Oh my gosh, that sounds magical. And <laughs> logistic wise, that's just a lot of moving pieces to put together. Could you just share like a little peek into how many people it really takes to put on an event like that at oh, that scale? Yeah, that's a really great question. And you're going to be shocked. The events <laughs> at Magnolia that I uh, oversaw was only three women. Oh my goodness. Yes. Now wow. I will say, yeah, we had incredible cross-functional partners. We have, sure. you know, the events team sits underneath the marketing umbrella at Magnolia. And then in that we sit under the brand team alongside the creative team. So really okay. it's like, you know, everyone yeah. really making it work, but logistically, I mean, it's months of planning with three women doing that and really wow. making that work. Uh, they are truly miracle workers. And, and if they're listening, I, you know, they're, they're amazing and just <laughs> like so freaking talented uh, and have, you know, between all three of them, multiple years of event experience. And we were so fortunate to have them, but yeah, logistically, you know, day of, we, we have some great vendor partners that come in our tent, uh, vendor has been doing tents for us since I think events started at Magnolia and they just know where they go and what we yeah. want and what we want it done. And they're, they're such great partners. And, um, and then, you know, cross-functionally in terms of the business units, they, all of their people are prepared. They're ready yeah. for the crowds. They prep them. They understand they do a ton of baking ahead of time and prepping ahead of time. And so, um, we were really fortunate to, to be in a place where, 
you know, our cross-functional partners understood the importance of what was happening. And if the events team comes to you on event, we can ask for something, it's probably needed. So nobody's yeah. arguing and it's just happening. So yep, it's no questions, <laughs> no questions asked, just, just get it done. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That is so, it's actually like not surprising, although it should be surprising to everyone, but to me, it's not surprising that only three incredible women are on that team. Like that's the way it is for a majority of these very yes. large companies that, you would never think. So I, I love that you said that. And hopefully they all got to take a wonderful vacation after yeah, we, those <laughs> huge events. <laughs> we do try. Uh, that event actually happened uh, only five weeks before the marathon. So oh then five goodness. weeks later, they threw a full marathon with a half and a 5k. Oh my gosh. How? I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> they're, amazing. they're amazing, amazing superhero women. That's incredible. I am a huge experiential event girly. I dabble in it a little bit, even prior to my experience at my most recent position, but I did a lot of it at um, my most recent two positions and just love it. I'm a huge yeah. during fashion week. If there's brand events, you know, activations, all that stuff, I encourage all my clients to do brand activations. I think it's the best way to connect with your customer and like get real-time feedback from them. Yep. So we've yet to have an experiential expert on the show, which I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, could you just share three top tips for experiential marketers or hopeful experiential marketing enthusiasts out there who might be listening? Yeah. Thanks for that question. And thanks for, again, for having me. I'm so very honored. Um, I think as I was thinking about this question, there are like, my brain can go so many different ways because there's so many components to experiential marketing and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different brands. But as I really thought about, okay, what, what would I say? I think number one is really understand who your audience is and what is she coming to you? We say she at Magnolia a lot. So yeah. I say she, what is, what are they coming to you for to solve? right? Because everyone's coming to a brand because they have a problem of some sort and they need it solved. And so it's really important to understand that piece of it and, and do your research, look around who's shopping your brand. Who is that? You, you know, you can have studies done on your demographics and all the things, but if you'll just go stand in your store or wherever your brand exists and look and talk to people, they will tell you what they're looking for. Um, I was always amazed at Magnolia, how very forthcoming our guests were with their opinions and thoughts. And we're very grateful. I don't know if they just felt very, very safe, but you can <laughs> walk on our property and ask, and they're going to tell you. And it's, yeah. uh, it was so enlightening. And so number one is understand who the guest is because, and what she's trying to solve, because then, and only then can you actually create something that matters to her. Yeah. Because totally. that's really what it's about. It has to matter to her. I think the second thing would be to identify what is your brand's goal in that moment? Is it revenue generating, which some experiences are, it's very much revenue generating, or is it to build brand affinity? Because while both of those are great goals, they don't often, they can often come into conflict when it comes to budget, selection, yeah. timing, what it is you actually do. And so if you can get your leadership to really identify that, um, that is going to help everyone create an experience that's actually worth the financial investment and the human investment that it takes, right? I think there's that saying that says you can't have something fast, cheap, and good. Yeah. And so, and I think that's the thing is you, you've really got to understand what it is the priority is for the brand. And then from that, coupled with what it is she is trying to solve for, you can create something that's really beautiful um, for you. And then the third one seems so silly, but to your point, attend a lot of events and experiences and like not just attend it, but really be mindful of what it is that you really love about it. And not like, oh, it was so fun. No, like what is it that made you do that and try to tap into even your subconscious. What was something you felt, smelled, touched, saw that like yeah. 
made you love that moment and created this impactful piece in you. And I think, um, you know, be more than just a, a flat consumer, but be a conscientious consumer of that experience. And then take note of that and say, can, is this something that we can replicate in our own brand? Is this something that that mattered or how can we take what this is and then make it for our brand, you know, cause not every, you know, loud, great music is not for every brand, you know, right. it's not a loud music kind of place. And so that's not what we do. And so, you know, the music has to be at a certain level and the lighting is a certain temperature. And so, sure. and, and every brand will have that. And, but you'll only understand what's out there and available for your brand to use. If you go out and experience it yourself. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Don't even have a follow-up because hundred um, percent. Let's shift gears for a, a moment and just talk about thoughtful leadership. Uh, what do you think makes for a thoughtful leader? Oh gosh, this is such a good question. And, um, and I think it can, it has two sides of a coin. I think on one side, a thoughtful leader is empathetic and very self-aware. Like I want to be aware of my own biases, both conscientious and unconscientious of just what is it that's going to add or detract from this moment that I'm going to have with this individual that I lead. Um, and I want to create extreme empathy. I think we live in a world where people have experienced things that 50 years ago, they've never, they didn't experience, right? We've come through a pandemic, yeah. economic downturn, racial insensitivity. Like there's just so many things right now that are happening in the world. And I think that the moment we lose sight of empathy, it doesn't actually matter where you're leading or what you're saying. People yep. shut down. It's just how it is. Um, so I think that's one side of the coin. And I think the other side of the coin of that is um, decisiveness and collaboration and the balance between those two things. I'm a very collaborative individual. I want to, I want to hear, I want to understand because I want to surround myself with people that know things I don't know. That's how I hire. I want to hire experts in places that I am not an expert because we, we make a team, right? Yeah. So that collaboration is so important. But at the end of the day, a decision has to be made. And at the end of the day, it's the leader's responsibility to ensure the decision is made. And sometimes a room of collaborators, while ever talented and really smart, don't come to a consensus. And at some point, a leader has to be willing to say, guys, I hear you. I appreciate your, your contributions here. This is what we're going to do. And here's why. And we're going to do that collectively together in this space. And so I think that for me, thoughtful leadership it sounds so cliche, but it's so, it's so connected to both the human and the business side. And you've got to be able to understand both and find a balance in it. That's incredible. And I'm thinking about some leaders that I've had in the past that I'm like, I need to send this to them. <laughs> they need to like hear this on thoughtful leadership because it, it's so true. I think no one really teaches that. I think it's just, you're thrown into a leadership position and you're kind of just like, okay, well it's so yeah. fast paced and I just have to be the leader here. So I'm just going to be, you know, either bossy or inconsiderate or whatever it is, not really a team player, like whatever it is, I think it's not taught. And so I'm like, I need to send this out to a bunch of people. No, I think what you said though, is about people not being taught this. I think it's so important. I have, I've have come across in both sport at Magnolia and coaching where I see people. And I think I was this person in some category, you know, in my youth, I just didn't know it better. And then I'm right. thrust into this leadership position and I have no tools other than, oh, a leader must win or a leader must yeah. produce. And so that's what I'm going to do. And we're not actually equipping leaders early on. You know, mm -hmm. we promote people into management positions or leaders, director positions with no actual like guidebook on how to do that yeah. also because you're running so fast as a company you're just like go 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 we've got to fill this spot 
But if we could take a time, and I know this is for some just wishful thinking, but if you could take a moment and say, this is how people lead in our company, this is what matters to us. Gosh, I think exponentially you, you would see far less turnover for exactly. both the management and the people under that management, right? Yep. And you see, I've seen, I can think of a specific person who is so crazy talented and truly, and if they had just been shaped a little bit and mentored a bit in that moment, the headaches that I watched their team go through over the years that I was in that space with her would have been tenfold less than what they experienced, you know, it's just absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just taking those little moments to like instill that thoughtful leadership into somebody who's growing into a position of leadership will, like you said, reduce turnover, increase the longevity of just morale, the team, you know, the good work that you're putting out. I mean, you can't put out good work if the employees don't feel like they're valued and their leadership cares about them. Um, so anyway, <laughs> what are some examples that you can share of practicing thoughtful leadership that either you've seen or you've done um, individually? Yeah, um, this is another great, gosh, you're just firing all these great questions at me today. Um, I think for me, you know, coming from the athletic world as a woman, a lot of times empathy and kindness can be seen as a weakness, Mm -hmm. which isn't everywhere, but for sure can exist in a very alpha male dominated industry (laughs) that I love very much, but just is. And so when I came to a place like Magnolia, where it is the opposite, it's very relational, very about who are you? You know, we start meetings by asking, Hey, how was your grandma? You know? And I'm like, let's go. I got 45 minutes for this meeting. Um, I had to learn very quickly that the empathy side of my leadership was lacking. And and I was actually missing the opportunity to care for my people in a way that would then selfishly get out of them what I needed production wise. Um, And so for me, it, it, it became this moment where I was taking time to invite people to coffee for 15 minutes, 20 minutes in my office and say like, tell me your story. Who are you? And then I began to build time into my meetings. (laughs) If I knew the meeting was going to be 30 minutes, I would make it 45 because I knew that on the front end, we were going to have some like chit chat. Yeah. yeah. And, and slowly as, as I, I was there for four years. And I think slowly, as I began practicing some of that, I wasn't perfect all the time. And there were certainly meetings I walked in and like, guys, we don't have time. We just got to go. But I began to build some capital and some collateral with emotional collateral with people so that I could then in moments that were hard or moments where I had to go deliver a change order that wasn't going to be fun. They knew that at the end of the day, I cared about them and that whatever happened at the end of this, we were still friends and we, I cared about them as a human. And so that for me was really practical of like finding space to connect with people and Granted, I think Magnolia at times is an extreme of that emotional connection. I don't think you got to go out and be best friends and know about their grandmas at all the companies (laughs) that you work at, but understand the culture of the company you work in and then practically find ways to create connection that are outside of you asking them to do something for you. Yeah. You know, that's so good. So good. I'm like, I can see a list in my mind of people I should send this to not in a, like, you're bad. Listen to this way, but like, (laughs) oh gosh, I'm open, like open your heart to understand that work is more than getting the product out or more mm-hmm. than the, that actually leads into our next question because oh. on our, on our intake form, you wrote that winning is far more than just the result on a KPI, which is that exactly that, what I yeah. was referring to. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and yeah. like chat through it a little bit? Yeah. I think I referenced this a little bit a second ago, but coming from the athletic world and I was an athlete 
winning is what matters. <laughs> the mm-hmm. W's when I was a coach, my three goals were to graduate kids, make sure they were passing classes yeah, and win games. That, that was, that was what I was charged with. And if I didn't do those three things, especially the winning of games, I didn't have a job. Like it's yeah. just, it's just what it is. And so it can be really easy as leaders to think that's the end goal. I've got to do it. And as a company that's revenue generating, like a Magnolia, we have KPIs and things, goals we need to meet in order for the doors to stay open. You know, mm-hmm. there are practicalities to that, but what, what I really began to realize again with a lot of my time in Magnolia and, and just, you know, I think maturing and encountering people is that winning ultimately is about caring for people. And if, if the, if a person for me winning as a leader is if the people who I manage ultimately surpass me can go on and start their own teams, go on to the next business opportunity and they can thrive there, then I've done my job and that's winning. I think I see this with the kids that I coached. You know, I've been to more weddings and baby showers and graduation parties than I can count. And that's winning. It doesn't actually matter whether we won a state championship or not. Those are nice things to have. And we, I have a couple, those are fun things, but ultimately it's like, have, have I created a space in my teams that I lead where people felt empowered to thrive and surpass. And if we can do that, that's winning because all the other stuff will take care of itself. And it sounds so cliche with all these movements of like, how are we caring for our people? But that's real. That is like a real thing. And, and when people don't feel like they are cared for, people don't feel like they know where they're going and what the goals of the company are. They don't feel like they're a part of that. They don't feel like they're a a part of the change. You lose them very quickly. And, and what's sad is that the people who need that the most are the most talented people, oftentimes the most talented people in your company. And, and we have a tendency to be like, well, you're talented, you figure it out, go. And they're the people that actually need to be nurtured because they, there's something innately in them. And I'm one of these people innately in me. I need to know that I'm bringing value because I feel like I'm bringing myself to you and I'm offering you the very best of who I am. But if you're not reciprocating by telling me that I'm valuable, and I'm not saying just in words, but are we paying people enough? Are we creating space for them to thrive? Are we giving them credit? Are, you know, are you a leader taking all your team's ideas and going and telling upper management these things while never bringing up the names of the people under you? Cause that's not okay. Like those are the things to me that if we can do those things well, all the KPIs take care of themselves and then ultimately we all win. 100%. Once again, no follow-ups. I love that. <laughs> so wow, good. Okay. So good. Um, okay. Let's just talk quickly about what you're currently working on or what roles you're currently looking to take on. I know you're on this self-imposed sabbat- sabbatical, <laughs> whatever you're calling it. Um, what What's the dream? Yeah, I, that's such an interesting question. And, and I think a little challenging to answer because I never envisioned being where I am. I think, sure. you know, the doors have opened and connections have opened for me to be here. Um, but ultimately for me, uh, I'm doing a little consulting on the side right now for some small businesses that just need to like, I just call it like add a little polish. Yeah. So just a little bit of something there. And so I'm open to taking some new clients in that space. I've explored um, some self-employment, starting a business. Um, there's a couple of opportunities in the Waco area that I think could be really um, profitable and really cool. But I think in terms of like brands, for me, female empowerment has been such a important part of my journey. I've had the opportunity to mentor countless young women. And yeah. right now I'm mentoring a couple of high school kids and just such an 
incredible, incredibly personal thing for me to watch and ensure that women are growing. I have a, an 11 year old niece and she's in theater and this stuff and all these kind of non-traditional things, but also like volleyball and cheerleading and stuff. And, and it's never been more important to me than to really remember that as a older generation, each generation is responsible for the upcoming generation. And I take that very seriously. So for me, I'd love to be a part of a brand who sees the value in that and not necessarily a brand that only serves women. Like I, I'm not looking for that, but a, a, but a brand who values that and sees that and understands that um, the female mind works differently for a reason. And there yeah. is great value to that and that there can be a partnership in, in the people that work in a space together. And so um, I love athletic brands, you know, I mean, I think Nike would be a dream. Lulu would oh, be, yeah. a dream. you know, just, I think brands that want to bring to life for their guests, like really understand that it's a lifestyle and, and what shoe I wear is a lifestyle decision. Like, I think that's, that's really intriguing. Um, I'm just open. It would sound so weird. I love it. I love it. I think that's so important too. I think it's, you don't have to have everything planned and, and yeah. I think it's, okay to embrace that. And I think it's okay to embrace where you are. Cause you're never going to be there again. You're always, you're going to, whatever you're in next, you're going to be going, going, going there. So taking the time, rest, take up new hobbies, you know, just dream about where you want to be, I think is a great place to be. So I love yeah, that. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Amy, we love to ask this question on the show. What do you know now that you wish you knew early on in your career? Oh man, do you have another hour? We could talk so right. much, so many things. Um, but I think for me, it's that it's not a straight line. I think my story says that. I, I, I like to share that story with young women to, to show them that it doesn't have to look perfect and it doesn't have to look the way everyone thinks you should. I have a degree in political science. I was going to law school and changed my mind. And yeah. so, and, and that's okay. And I, I think that for me, if I had, I could not have dreamed up 10 years ago, the experiences that I've had. And even if I had tried to, it wouldn't be nearly as good as it has been. And it's been hard and there've been really tough things, but really joyful things that I think have made me incredibly ready for the next step. And I think um, for me, you know, what legacy I leave is going to be so vitally important. I, I, I want it to be vitally important. I want it to be a, something that can be looked back on and people say she made an impact on my life and she made brought about change. And so to do that, it's kind of squiggly, you know? And, and I tell a lot of young people, don't be afraid to say yes, because mm -hmm. you can always change your mind. You know, walk through the door because you can turn around and walk out if you need to, if it's like, yeah. oh, this is too scary. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I would say it's it's not a straight line and that's actually the most beautiful part of it. Oh my gosh. I love that. I think so many younger professionals need to hear that too. It's, we hear that a lot on our show. It's like, you know, the way that you thought your career was going to look like definitely not what it looks like, no matter who you are. I think there's maybe like yeah. 1% of people where they were like, Oh, I laid out my plan and did exactly that. Like for the most part, like you said, it's not a straight line and you're going to do things that you did not even picture yourself doing. Yeah. So I definitely identify with that too. So I love um, that. yeah, well, where can everybody find you follow along with what you're up to? I know you're on LinkedIn. That's how we connected. So yes. how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm actually pretty active on Instagram, which sounds weird, not like influencer active, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I like to update my life on there. Um, and uh, I'm a passive Twitter follower. 
but if you wanted to reach out via message, but LinkedIn is a great way. I think it, it helps to just keep those professional um, lines of communication open for folks. But Instagram, um, I think my I think my profile is public. So feel free to follow along, shoot me a DM. But yeah, those are the what's, places. What's your handle on Instagram? Oh, I think it's just Amy Gaston. Okay, awesome. We'll Amy. put everything. Okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> let me double check and I can get back to you on that. But yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I feel like we talked so many amazing points that people need to hear. So I'm so grateful that you were here. Such an honor, Erica. And um, I, uh, I'm, I've been so, so thrilled to do it. So thanks so much. Thanks again to Amy for joining us this week. We'd love to hear what you learned during this week's episode. Connect with Erica and I on LinkedIn and shoot us a message to let us know what you took away. The links to our profiles are in the show notes below. We're so grateful you listened in to this episode of Marketing Happy Hour. We'll see you next week as we do it all over again. See you soon. excited to share that our first ever free marketing happy hour digital resource is now available. Download the dream career game plan today at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. That's marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. This five-step workbook will guide you through defining your goals, building your network, diversifying your skills, influencing where you're at and investing in your growth. Cassie and I created this resource with marketing careers in mind, but the framework can be applied to any industry. Our hope is that this workbook will help you truly elevate your career, whether you're in the market for a new position or just looking to make your mark in your current organization. No matter where this resource finds you, we are cheering you on every step of the way. So go check it out at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie to download and make your career dreams come true.